0: This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. Hi, I'm Carolyn Itell, and you're listening to Glen Cove Spotlight on 88.1 FM, WCWP.org. And today's guest, we have Courtney Callahan. Who is the director of outreach and children's ministry at St. John's of Laddingtown and also the founder of Nosh? So, we're so excited to have you with us today, Courtney. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Carolyn and Dan. This is a real treat for me. Oh, to
1: be good.
0: <laughs> Great. So, Courtney, I always love to just even though so truth be told, Courtney and I actually do go to the same church, but I know nothing about Courtney. So I'm looking forward to the next hour together and just learning a little bit about you and um, who you are and just about nosh and your outreach. So I'm excited to that. But I'd love to know just a little bit more like where do you live? I think you're on the North
1: Shore, right? Right. I live in Ladentown. Um, I help take care of a beautiful estate, the Davison's, and it's just, you know, it's so nice to keep up these beautiful old buildings and, and homes that, um, you know, are quite nice. And, um, so that's what I, I have a lot of jobs. I work at St. John's Aladdin town, take care of here. And I even have chickens. I take care of chickens and, um, gosh, what else do I do? So but it's really nice. It's very, um, sometimes I feel like I live in a BBC miniseries.
0: <laughs> you could probably have your own reality show.
1: Right? It's it's really fun. Like, um, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know if I should tell you this. But um, so Father Simon used to be a rector who you knew at St. John's at and he was British, and he was very funny. And so um, I, we were having to do something out in the garden, sorry. Um, We were having to do something um, out in the gardens and we had shovels and it was this project and it was a cold, not a cold day, but sort of. And we're walking through and it did. And I said, Father Simon, this feels like we're in one of those BBC shows, miniseries shows. And he's like, yes, Courtney, I feel like we are. And maybe we'll come upon a dead body. (laughs) <laughs> you, know, it was, you know it was just so funny um so you know it is just very the north shore is very magical like that mm-hmm. it just has the characters and um it's a special place so i really do enjoy um being here you know yeah.
0: The North Shore is special. And I'm a North Shore girl at heart, born and raised. So it is a wonderful, magical place to be and to live. I
1: agree with you. Definitely. I didn't know about the chickens. That's really neat. I love chickens. I'm taking care of a lot. I'm like a chicken whisperer. They're very loyal and loving. They really truly are just beautiful creatures. And they're very like on the list of people who may not make it. (laughs) They're just, you know, they're fragile. Um, And there's something beautiful about that, that Fragile beings can exist amongst us. And um, it kind of puts things in perspective, really. It's they're, they're beautiful, beautiful beings, really. Um, And really in the North shore, you can have that. You're not allowed to have pigs. So one day, since we're just talking about this kind of fun stuff, it sounds very much like all creatures. What is it? What's that BBC news series with James Harry that they're redoing now? Anyway, So I said Sunday school because I, you know, I run the Sunday school and two fathers were talking. So one father said, oh, my kids are saying they have to have pigs. They will not let this go. And the other father says, well, my kids are saying we have to get chickens. And the fathers just a beset because they really didn't want to add that into the panoply of taking care of children, which I get. Mm -hmm. And so I said to one, you are in luck. Pigs are not allowed in Latin Town, but I said to the other father, "You are not in luck because chickens are allowed." And they laughed, you know. And um, but did
0: that's they like, get chickens?
1: They did. They got chickens, oh, and uh, you know. So, and we have a chicken farm down the street, Mister mm-hmm. Armstrong's Egg Farm, which is just very, like, totally magical. and, yeah. and people can go there and buy their eggs. Yes, on on um, Peacock Lane. Mm -hmm. And then another funny thing is I happen to be vegan. And on Thanksgiving, I was taking a walk. And literally, I mean, I have photographic evidence. So it's a true story. I'm walking down Peacock Lane. And all of a sudden, two turkeys are walking behind me. And it is Thanksgiving Day. And I said to myself, wow, they probably know I'm the only person within a 10 mile radius that won't eat them.
0: (laughs) You were like a magnet for them.
1: Right, right. So there people have turkeys down the road and, and peacocks. I know that too. Yes, you, you often do see a peacock walking down Peacock Lane or on Laddingtown Road. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is very magical.
0: That is. I actually will talk more about that. But I have family that lives down at the end of Peacock and they're actually on the estate. He's a master gardener. So we'll oh. talk
1: about that another time.
0: I'm sure you know them did I hear a dog? And I know we saw the cat.
1: Yeah. So Hopi is a blind dog from Spain. Another very long story as they usually are. But my friend found her in Spain. She was in a farm and she was blind and she was racing and there was lamb blood dripping from the ceiling, raptors and the upstairs, mm-hmm. because that's how you do it. And she's Oh my God, I have to get her out. And so anyway, I saw the picture and I was like, I have to have her. Like I just knew. And so, um, she was supposed to work at church and she was supposed to work with me gardening. Speaking of gardening, all I do really is water the plants. You know, Steve Steve Melvinger does everything else. And she's looking at me right now because she knows I'm talking about her. She's so smart. It's scary. But, um, she was supposed to garden with me, work at church, do all this. Uh, no, Mm. she is taking this lifetime off. There is, nope, she's not working. She made it quite clear. So he and spirit hang out together and she is just have a lifetime on the sofa and walks as far as she wants to go. And and that's it. And how beautiful you honor that for her. Oh, uh, there really wasn't a choice. Yes, Carolyn, I do love animals and I kind of get them. But this was like, uh, she was clear. She's the boss. <laughs> so, how did you
0: get her from Spain? I didn't know she had come so far.
1: So one of my friends from boarding school who used to live here, actually, she is really involved in animal rescue in Spain. And so in near Madrid, the outskirts. So, um, a woman found her actually and told Ann about Hopi. Mm -hmm. And then she went to the farmhouse to go get her. And that's what she would do. She would foster animals. And, um, so, and then she just put her on Facebook and, um, And I saw it. And I wasn't even on Facebook that often back then for some reason. And I just looked into those eyes. I didn't even know she couldn't see, which was ironic. But there's Mm -hmm. something about, I always loved Helen Keller. And there's just something about, I just found out about this um, man. uh, I won't say his name right. Jacques Lysenia. He worked in the French Resistance. He was blind. He became blind. I'm going to teach this to the kids at school. He was seven years old. He fell onto his teacher's desk. He blinded one eye and the other eye was blinded out of sympathy for the other eye. And at 16 years old, he joined the French resistance in World War II. And he saved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's lives because he could tell when people were lying and he could also go, he was in Auschwitz for a year and he was released and he was able to go back and rescue people because he could hear the German gar- guards and he spoke German. So at 16 years old, he was like rescuing people from all kinds of like terrible situations. So it just, um, it's, a you know, blindness has always fascinated me because so many people are blind, have unique gifts, you know, and that's just like the um, mill neck, they do such beautiful work for the deaf. I mean, I'm so proud of everything we have around here, right? It's people who really change people's lives. And people think we're so ritzy, and you know, nothing's going on here. But no, people are very busy here
0: doing good. I agree, and we do a lot of good. I agree with you. I love Milnek too. We could have a whole conversation about right. that. So my mom actually benefits from their services. So yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, definitely. So Hopi came to you how long ago? Like uh, three years ago. Mm. So you just knew you had to have her.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always me without dogs is yes. not a good situation. Yes. I, oh, you can see. That's Billy Bob behind me, um that was my golden retriever, and he was just like he was really beloved in my life. He was an amazing, amazing dog. I didn't realize it till he died. you can see if I held that up close, the way his fur worked, he had two a heart around each eye
0: special dog you know we, we um we fostered two dogs three years ago, and we were foster fails. <laughs>
1: No, no such thing. Okay. This is my Dan. I don't know. It's like, we're just getting crazy now about animals, but we can't help it. My feeling about that is, is that a dog goes to the people they need to go to and it's never a fail. They need something. I remember I worked for the animal lovers league. um, And they brought in a cat who sort of had been tortured by people around that neighborhood. And um, we knew she was going to die. But she was so gracious. She had so many mats that every day we just brushed a mat. Like we just were and she just totally let us. And for two weeks, like Diane Connolly and Kathy, um, who are still there. Um, I mean, they're young, but they've just been there a long time. And um, they let midnight just let us take out every knot and take good care of her. And then, like two and a half weeks later, she passed. But you know what? In the end of her life she got so much love that we could send her back to heaven with at least some love from earth. And I just think when animals like disappear, it's so traumatic for people, but sometimes heaven has a plan.
0: Heaven always has a plan.
1: (laughs) And, and, you know, we may not like that plan, but I think that those dogs came to you for a real reason and you Mm -hmm. gave them, Exactly what they needed. And then they took that and they just take it off into their other lifetimes that love.
0: It's true. And I say it jokingly, but actually, they came from Texas. They were um, survivors of Hurricane Harvey and they came together. So we always said they were brothers from another mother. And it was so weird. I had seen them on Facebook and um, I just felt such a pull towards them. Yes. And when we had gone to the event that night, um, we were looking at another dog. I wasn't, my other half was, and I was like, mm. and then I said to one of the people, you know, I, I had seen two puppies on your page today. And she said, can you take them tonight? And I said, yes. So, and one of them is actually very special needs. He's um he had gone through a lot as a very young puppy. So I do believe we have him for a reason because I don't think too many people could put up with some of his behaviors and we're so patient with him and we just love him so much. So they've added so much to our lives. We don't go anywhere anymore, even pre pandemic. <laughs> so, but it's okay, we made the commitment. And, um, you know, they do, they just add so much joy to your life and so much richness. I can't imagine ever a time in my life not having a dog. I don't care if I'm 90, I have to have a dog. And I love cats too. We've always had cats as well. Yeah. Wonderful so let's talk about other things on the north shore do you have any favorite places to shop to buy your groceries buy your coffee
1: well i love locust valley market i Mm -hmm. love michael mr broadway and liz and john and i'm quite i mean they're kind of like family i love um i love rising tide i love jerry and ashley and ashley and Everyone there, They're, they are the kindest um, people. They, you know, they help heal us. Um, so that is like a big deal for us to have here. I'm so excited for their new place. Yeah. And they always have with outreach. I mean, they're one of the few places that every month they raise money and I think they just raise money for um, Nosh and all our favorite places, you know? So I really think they set the standard for giving back and Jerry's uh, just the real deal. And I think more of us should follow suit on that, you know? So I'm very, um, I love them all very, very much. And I, I, um, You know, I like Starbucks. I like Jen. She's very, you know, interested in, you know, helping the homeless. And she's the manager there. And and there are just so many um, good people. I love the, uh, this is what I'm just in love with right now. The Glen Cove Public Library Instagram account. Oh, I've never been on it. Okay. It is crazy good. Like, I don't know, even if you, I don't know who doesn't like books, but even if for some reason, it's just so good. They're just fun. They have such interesting um, programs. And I think it's been really important for the community because there's been so much isolation and somehow you can read books and not feel isolated. Like you could be in your bed, ba- I mean, these poor kids. I mean, they're like, oh my God, just days on end. But I think the library really has come to the rescue and they've been so inspirational and positive. And if you just go, everyone should just go to their Instagram account. It doesn't matter where you are. Even if you can't go, you can still do their programs online. But I mean, I think you can come from afar. I mean, they're pretty nice. Um, but I just think you know, certain people have just had the knack to be able to lift us up in COVID, and I think it's so great that a library, because it's ironic, you can't visit the library, right? Or they might have limited things now, but but it's like the very people who were maybe hardest hit. I mean, aside, you know, like restaurants and every, everyone is the hardest hit, but they, you know, they, they have rallied and inspired. So that's my big, that's the big headline of this in love with the Glencoe Public Library.
0: Okay, great message to get out there. And are all their programs re- remote right
1: now? Yes, yes. And if there's children and adults and um, they're just very clever and fun and just a different point of view. Like that kind of takes you out of like, you know what are the COVID numbers today and you know all that like you know should i go here should i go there they just take you out of your mind and into your heart and just um kathy who's there is like amazing she has the most amazing people work yeah oh, no. so um sorry that's what Hope does she just growls and runs in circles but okay <laughs> so we're happy um so
0: books it, have been great during this pandemic for me, you know, just to escape for a while, you know, between work and just everything going oh,
1: Sometimes oh so, just... so, so sorry. So that brings up because my, my memory is just not what it used to be. I don't know what's happened, but maybe it's just a little stress and a lot of juggling, but So Locust Valley Bookstore in Locust Valley, my friend Lisa Scully um, started it. She's just, I love her so much. She has helped me so much in my life. Um, She's just, she just knows what people need. And so she, in her newsletter, she highlighted a book called A Sermon in Stones. And it's um, this book about in New England, and even around here in Bedford, you know the stone walls—they're—they're they're not mm-hmm. that high, and I've always been intrigued by them. But I really didn't know. And this—it's called a sermon in stones, and it talks all about the history of these stones and kind of the spiritual stuff and the connection. So when I went to pick it up, literally the other day, uh, from Gracia, who works for her, who's like an amazing woman. She she goes to Saint John's, and her brother-in-law and sister, and um. She said a friend of hers quit his job, like on Wall Street, and I guess he had been visiting Vermont because how would you know? But he found a master stonewall smith. What do they call? I don't even know <laughs> what do they call
0: them. Artisan, mason. Yeah,
1: right. And then he studied with him, <laughs> and now he is he makes those stone walls, and he is gracious. That he's like happy as a clam. So that's a really another inspirational thing out of COVID that you, know, you really had to question, like, am I happy? Could I do my job better? Should I take something on? Could I do another job? Should I've been dreaming about this all my life? Is this the time to do it? So I think it's just been, look, people have died, so many people. This has been a tragedy. There is no way around it. And the stories haven't even come out yet, I feel. Like, We're going to hear stories after it's over that people are going to be like, oh, my God, like, how was that even happening when I was sitting on my sofa, just whinging and whining about not being able to do something. And people were really just I know because I used to be a reporter. They're just like colossal stories. But I think it also has been a time for us to, you know, reflect and think about things. So hopefully me telling the story and I haven't even picked I mean, I just bought the book on Saturday, so I haven't read it, but you can just feel it like, wow, you know, people can be inspired to do something that they really want to do.
0: I think that time, this time, especially the last 11 months so far, has been very powerful for so many of us. I'm going to look into that. And I love Locust Valley Bookstore. I actually picked up all my books for the holidays for gifts from them. And they wrap them. They do such a beautiful job. And um, there's so much I want to continue to talk to you about. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, maybe you can tell me some of your favorite books and we'll continue the conversation, okay? Okay. Okay, good. You're listening to 88.1 FM, WCWP.org. We will be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Glen Cove Spotlight. Today we are joined by Courtney Callahan, and we're just going to continue the great conversation we're having with her. So, Courtney, we were talking about books. Are there any books that have really moved you in your life or maybe you've read in the last... 11 months during this pandemic that have been powerful for you?
1: Um, yes. I mean, I have to tell you that I lived in Prague for two and a half years and um, there weren't a lot of books in English and my Czech is very difficult yeah. and I'm not that great with languages. So I found one book Anna a Karenina in English. It was like my treasure. I would like walk around with it. I'm like, I must've read it 15 times. And, but you know it was such a testament to life we people think oh history is in the past but we are living history and how we make our choices matters to the people our children and the people who will come after us and i one thing i really have seen in covid is that people are making noble choices and it's really changing the way they think about things and 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 the the power of their actions or the disempowering of non-action so i think that reading is so important because it takes us into those times where we really identify with with somebody and i love I love C.S. Lewis and I love Tolkien and they were really good friends. So I, that's why I think I have an affinity for both of them. And I like to read, you know, just C.S. Lewis's essays. And I loved the Narnia Narnia series. And sorry, that's the FedEx man. We're going to kind of growl at him. Poor George. He's so nice. And um, we know everyone here, right? We know, we we know our drive, you know, our FedEx drivers. We know, you know. It's great. So I I just think that books that help us learn to navigate challenges and we can come out the other side, but the other side probably isn't what we envisioned. You know, it, it's kind of a present mm-hmm. in some way because, you know, so I think that's mostly um I loved Harry Potter. I mean, when I I was one of the first people in America to read it. Why is that? Because a friend had been in London and had brought it back with her. And she's like, oh, my God, Courtney, you're going to love this. On page four, believe it or not, I got down on my hands and knees and prayed. On page four, because I knew it was going to help so many people. And it did. I mean, that's the quintessential you know, up against all odds, you know, Voldemort, and, and we all have a Voldemort in our lives, or quite a few, whether it be an institution or a person or, you know, anything. And really, um, I think it just helps so many, have so many children not to feel alone, mm-hmm. and to look for help where it's not maybe normal to look for help, and then look inside. And, you know, I have, um, that man I told you about, that Frenchman and in the resistance, you know, he was 16 when he was, you know, saving people from the Nazis, you know, I mean, we can do extraordinary things and we'll get into this later, but at Nash, Nash was really built with just the love and courage of children. So,
0: so powerful, you know, and I think with books, I know for me, they just open my mind so much. And you know, sometimes your heart too, and just your whole being if you're open to it, and it's just, there's such power in words and writing and, um, and sometimes also just the escape of them, you know, it's, especially for me during the last year, they've been wonderful. So I know how busy you are with everything in your life. Is there anything that you do? Are there any hobbies? Are there anything that you know, just kind of takes you away for a while? When, you know, you just need to get away from it all?
1: Um, no, I don't get away from anything. <laughs> like, no. You're always plugged in. Oh, you know what it is, is that people always say to me, Courtney, self-care is really important and all this. But, you know, I met, I was friends when I was in college. Um, jump in, we're going to have like a World War II theme. I don't know why. It's just coming out. Jumpin' Jim Gavin was the head of the 82nd Airborne. And everyone will remember the 82nd Airborne is famous. And they parachuted into the fields of France on D-Day. He had studied. He'd been at the Pentagon. He had studied at West Point. I think he went there. But anyway, he was top, top of the heap. And when he fell, he broke like every vertebrae in his back. It was so painful. He had nothing. He lost his knapsack. And he just had to survive on God and and what figuring everything out. And he was like, I have to find my men, you know, we have to go. So um he said, one day, Courtney. You, you, and he had Parkinson's at that point. It was very hard. I, You could get three words out of every seven, but I managed. It wasn't impossible. And I was the only one to have patience. Everyone would be at cocktail parties drinking. And I'd be trying to figure this out. And he said, one day, Courtney, you will be in the same position as me. Not in a war, but what? And he said, you will have nothing. You will have no map. You won't know where your men are. You will have all this training and all this stuff, but you won't have it to work with. And you will stand there and you will have to use your courage and determination and love of mankind and to fight the fight. And I hadn't thought of that story till COVID. Like I just, you know, it just wasn't in sort of, you know, stories a little bit
0: tucked away. Yep. And then
1: they come up. (laughs) And so I just really thought that in COVID that um, none of us really know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. We're without all the things that we usually make decisions on. It's it's like uh what isn't there like a brave new land or what there isn't there some book? And so anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. And then I think it's times like that that he said that's when you can do the most. And you know, we can talk about this later, but that really also I think I remember it because that led into sort of Nosh a bit. So
0: do you think he meant that's what we can do the most when we're thrown into these crazy situations that were kind of on our head? We 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 just never even saw it coming, and and we're under this pressure. And do you think that's what he meant?
1: Yeah, I think you know what I'm um I'm an AA and we do the steps, and it's always talks about a higher power, you, you know. And so I think there are times in everyone's life when you surrender to a higher power, and I think in those cases. You do more things than you think you could do because our ego was always telling us, "Well, that is a bad idea." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, "Oh, okay, I won't do it." And then, but when you're thrown in these situations, there's nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You just like, "Well, I don't know, understand anything about COVID?" Like, you know, there were so many things, but you do understand love, and you understand at our core we just love that's it. So yes, there are people who maybe will try to sell fake vaccines. I don't know. I don't know what goes on, but 99% of us go for the good,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and sometimes we get so used to our life that we just, um, it was a wake up call. You know, people have said that. And I, and I think that when we see the kids now who are in fourth grade and eighth grade and, you know, college freshmen, they're going to go to these jobs. And when any crisis comes along, they'll just say to their boss, don't worry. Mm-hmm. I have this. Mm-hmm. We know what to do because they have lived through, you know, this ultimate crisis and they will be empowered. I mean, you know, they, they'll definitely change. Our, I think our planet will change very rapidly. Especially with role models and a mentor
0: like you. I mean, you're somebody that I think you just have so much love and so much to give, but you also don't complicate it and overthink it. You jump in with both feet and say, we just need to do this. We're going to figure it out as we go.
1: Well, as our friend Donna tells me, she every once in a while, she said, Courtney, you know, you always have the cart before the horse. I'm like, I know. I have found- You own it. <laughs> I have found that it works and people aren't that comfortable with it. But the truth is sometimes you can't set everything up. It's just mm-hmm. like, girl. do you know what I mean? I think it's because I worked in TV and radio and it's like the the, the the mantra there is no one likes to see the sauce and sausage making, you know, no one needs to see that. And I'm like, no, sometimes they do. <laughs> you know, Sometimes they do when it's really important, you know, so mm-hmm. it is, it is kind of funny, but.
0: That's funny. It's a, it's a term we use at my company too. like stay out of the sausage factory. And I'm like, sometimes we need to be in there. So I get it. How long have you been the director of outreach at St. John's now?
1: Well, I've been to St. John's for about 13 years and, um, I just had other jobs and then I would do the Sunday, you know, Sunday school and do our famous pageant that, you know, is so fun that we decided to film this year. Like I said, Oh, we'll so talk about the cart before the horse. That was one card that almost ran me over, but it was so worth it for these kids because I just don't think about things. I'm like, oh, we can film it. But it was beautiful. It was a labor of love. I mean, that's the thing about COVID that when you decide to do anything, it's going to be hard, Mm -hmm. but so worth it. And I'm sorry. I based out on your question No,
0: <laughs> oh, that's a, i was just asking about how long you've been the oh, director
1: how long so so i went to chicago um what ended up being a sabbatical i really thought i was moving to chicago i was going to do miss courtney's invisible books and um and i when i was there you know people say that englewood's the most dangerous you know place in america you know it is it is it is terrible violence happens But I met angels. It was really important. You know, we see all this like Baltimore and, you know, St. Louis and, you know, Compton, all this. And it becomes a character of itself and it becomes very one dimensional because in these cities are our angels, the most creative people, the most loving people. So I met this whole crew of people who were really building Englewood up and met LaTanya who had run LaTanya and the Youth of Englewood. She grew up with no resources in the South side and she just vowed she was going to uplift children, that she was going to be there for them. The ones whose parents were unable to take care of them, not because, you know, in terms of resources and extras, the parents are loving but and maybe some of them weren't, but they needed help, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for poverty, none of which people want to address. But she was so charismatic that I um I said, I'm gonna help you. And I came back here because I just had trouble getting like a job. And um like I just wanted to work at Starbucks so I could just pay attention to what I was doing, but I can't do Starbucks. <laughs> I just you know, I can't even see where so, you're supposed to be. Right, right. So <laughs> you're so I, successful at it. Yeah. So I came back and Father Mark's like, yes, you can have your job, you know, and um, so it was so great. And we really built up the outreach. We had always done outreach, but then we really went for it this time, and um I just did an interview with Father, not interview, but just a video um, of every staff member he interviewed. And, you know, I talked about growing up in Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta until I was like 12 or 13. And um, it friendship really is at the core of what I do. And uh, so I'll tell you this. This is how I'll go into this. When I was going to Chicago, I said, I wonder how many theses or master's uh, papers were written on poverty. They're just a million from Stanford down to community colleges. Some of the community college ones were actually better than the Stanford ones. Sorry, like Carlisle went to Stanford. Um, so the thing is, I just thought to myself, not one of these has made a difference. We're still having the same situations as we always did. And what I realized is it's really friendship. If you get to know people, you don't judge them like people say, oh, well, they don't work. They're lazy. (laughs) That is not why there are all these strictures of what happens between redlining at banks and, you know, what have you. And when you become friends with people, they're real human beings and you understand what's going on. I mean, there's this um, Thistle Farms and I think, Alabama, and they they help women who have been victims of sexual um, abuse. Uh, They've been alcoholics or addicts. I mean, a whole panoply stuff. And, um, they say, you know, homeless, everything. And they say, you know what, it took a lot of people to help get these women to where they are right now. And I thought that was just so amazing. And we'll talk about the whole, you know, the situation in Glen Cove that is, you know, looking a little bit more hopeful right now for the homeless. Um, do you think that fuels your passion for what you do for all the outreach?
0: just the poverty
1: and it's really the friendship. So So when I was like four and a half around that age, um, my father would always go to the bank and pick up papers that he had, you know, left behind. It was just, you know, I didn't do that. So, and it was a big treat for me to go. So I went with him and we were on the street and this, he, we were walking, a man was walking up and he stopped and he was obviously friends with the man and he shook his hand and they said, Courtney, um, this is Reverend King. We didn't call him Dr. King. And it probably said pastor, but we were Episcopalian. So then everyone's a reverend. Right. So, um, and he said, this is Dr. King, uh, Reverend King. And I knew in that moment, that he was just a man of God, that he was just a man of peace. Like I just, it's hard to even use. There are no words really for what I saw in his eyes. I could sit here and give you a thousand million words and it still wouldn't convey what happened. But what I say is that my father modeled friendship to me, you know, and he was respectful and he was kind. And I just joke that I'm so old that I curtsied because that's what you did out of respect back then, you know? And um, it was clear that he was a person of great stature, but yet he was very just, like, hi, you know, they were talking like it was very easy. And, you know, I, when I say friends, I mean, they didn't hang out together and play pool. I think, do you know what I mean? Lana was small back then and they definitely knew each other and, and seen each other. And my father later, you know, he would see Dr. King or Reverend King going, you know, driving his kids to school whenever he was in town, he would mm-hmm. do that. So I think that it really, so I get back in the car to go back and I'm really quiet. My father said, are you okay? Cause I wasn't quiet. And I know it's such a shock. And then I said, yes, daddy. Now I know that real Kings are black, right? Because in the fairy stories, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not. And so we just had, there are some more stories about, you know, my parents didn't march in the civil rights, but they were very involved in everyone in Atlanta and, you know, um, bringing people together, bringing, you know, everyone together. So it um, you know, that, that day modeled friendship I saw what the power of friendship and that would be a theme that I will be honest and I'm gonna ask Father Mark if I can do part two because when I went to Boston it was kind of a shock because I thought it was going to be like the seat of the abolitionist and and I was shocked by the segregation and and what was going on there and that was a hard time as an adolescent because you just feel like what wait what did people people lying like what was going on so anyway there are more parts to that but truly that day changed my life
0: it sounds like it and it sounds like he really imprinted on you and I think that there you were meant to meet him that day what an amazing story and I just think it just sounds like it was so profound for you and how it's affected you in your life and how you give back and um we're going to take a quick break when we come back though i'd really love to dig in a little bit and talk about nosh and all that you know you're doing and how you founded it looking forward to having you back in a couple minutes and we'll we'll continue this great conversation you're listening to 88.1 fm wcwp.org glen Cove spotlight we'll be right back welcome back you're listening to Glencove spotlight on 88.1 and Courtney Callahan, the Director of Outreach at St. John's of Laddingtown and the founder of NOSH, has joined us today. So Courtney, I would love to know a little bit more about how NOSH was started, um, the mission, what drove you to do it, who you founded it with, and take it away. Tell us more all about it.
1: So this is so interesting. So um, right before lockdown... Christine Rice, who's executive director of the Senior Center, Sue Wessick at um, Glencoe Hospital. She's on um, community mm-hmm. relations. Um, Barbara Costello, who runs the Guardian Angel Family Crisis Center in the Thrift Shop, right in Seacliff Cliff. Uh, Tracy Warzer, who's an artist, and she works with seniors. Um, I'm just blanking right now because that's just my mind is woof. Um, a lot going on up there, um, and. Uh, why am I? Um, these these people are so important to me. Well, I'll 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 come up with the rest. So we had been a lot of uh, elderly women had become homeless. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to figure out how to set up like to get an apartment, uh, get a house, rent a house. We were doing that. So then we had kind of labeled it out. Everyone had their homework assignment. So we're like, okay, everyone's going to go do your homework to figure out how we could do this. And while it was our homework period, the lockdown happened. So I called everyone up and I'm like, okay, we're still doing this. We're not going to lose this, but we, it, we there must be something. Oh, and Sarah Blunden from church, um, and yeah. um, Michelle from the North Shore Women's Club, Michelle Hagen, and we um, said, well, what can we do? So we just started brainstorming, mm. and we thought, well, and you know we. I'll read the papers and read news and stuff. So long story short, we worked really hard with suresic at the hospital and we came up with like, we would have to like have some kind of bag that was readily identifiable in a pandemic contactless delivery. And we didn't want people to come to us because that would have been gathering. Right. So we would deliver bags, but EMS and police and and neighbors would have to know because sometimes people were a nurse and they wouldn't get home or, you know, they're worth the night shift. So it'd have to be there where everyone would be, oh, that's a nosh bag, leave it there. It's safe, you know, blah, blah, blah. And also, we didn't know how bad the pandemic would get in the, uh, the there might be food shortages. So we had to be prepared to, they said no one would starve, but we would stave off starvation. I mean, that was the worst case scenario. And, you know, for a few people, that really was the case. Um, And some people just needed help to make ends meet so they could feed their family every day. Um, So we worked, we figured we had worked so well together organizing, you know, trying to help the women, the senior women, that we certainly could figure something out. Well, I just don't, you know, I don't know if we thought that it would really survived, but we never talked about that. We just did it a day at a time. And we, Did you
0: do it with the intention of helping so many people that maybe had lost their job that had no money
1: that needed food? Well, you know, that's such a good question, Carol, because we always worked at the the North shore sheltering program. You did that, you know, for years, we worked with the the, North shore soup kitchen for years we had worked with so many people with um, the Glencove Economic Opportunity Council, you know, so many people, the Finley with Kirsten Kenny, who's one of our originals. So I knew this would come back to me. Um, she did the um, Finley Family Pantry, right, at the middle school, when they found out that their friends were not eating on the weekends. So that's how that got generated. And she listened to her kids. You know, people think, oh, it's so obvious. But Not everyone does. People are busy. And, you know, then you have, then she had to do a lot of work, (laughs) but she was happy to do it. And she's doing the front porch pantry. Now the porch pantry with Kimberly, they are amazing. And we love each other, you know, out with things. So it's really, um, it's really nice. We just want to make sure that all of the school children are, we have a thousand children, Nosh. And I actually think we have more now, but a thousand children we take care of every week that are in need. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, that's amazing. Yes. And we worked with Alan Hudson. He gave us our first home. Mm -hmm. Nash was homeless. I was in my church van praying to mother Teresa, you know, saying, okay, this is like by four o'clock, we're going to have to, there's going to be a miracle by four o'clock. Talk about just like asking easy things, easy button. And, um, sure enough I ran into Alan and I just said, Oh, you know, um, we don't have a home, and he said, "Well, I think you could have the detention room, like the ISO room, whatever they call it now." And I was like, "Oh my God, that's perfect for us. We can have Nosh there, and then we can also fill it with all good vibes. And every kid from after this goes into detention is going to feel the love." You know what I mean? So, you know, it was it was pretty amazing how all this happened, and I was pretty much getting meals in a van, just driving around with. Um,
0: right away, like like March, April. Oh, and-
1: we started, crazy things happened. Like Sue Ressick would come to the hospital and said, these people have food. And I would just like drive around. And, and it was really great with um, Deshaun, my friend, and who always works at our country fair, helps, he's an artist. And you know, that's so interesting. Talk about friendship. You When you really meet people, make friends, you realize that in Glen Gardens Public Housing, there are amazing artists, you know, and they work so they can do their art, and it's um we wanted to have a gallery show but then covid happened so we're going to be really busy after covid but you know you sure we, <laughs> but but you know you when you are friends with people you mm-hmm. get to know them they become three dimensional souls that's it's really important and so i guess yeah to answer your question we knew there was going to be hardship Clearly, I, you know, I had hardship, it was, um, you couldn't go out and stock your freezer or stock right. your refrigerator, most people. And we knew that because we worked with so many people for so many years, and they were our friends, we actually knew what was going on in their lives. And
0: we have so many people just calling from everywhere that were saying, Listen, I have a family in need, we need to feed them. I have a senior center citizen, you know, that-
1: oh, we do. And so we work with the senior center. So everything was so beautiful, how it worked out. When we had seniors call, we also um, had them call the senior center and Christine and Lori and Eric would, and all the other people would hook them up with, you know, a feeding program that they had, you know, especially if they couldn't eat, eat like meat, they could only eat solids. Like, so we really, we were like, we were pretty fancy, like, you know, with the people we knew and loved we could offer help in ways that people really needed. And it's not because we're a fancy, you know, we were kind of like, wow, I can't believe we can help all these people. Like, we don't know what we're doing. So one day St. Vincent de Paul called Gordon Hedwig, who is a love who really helped us. And he's like, we need help because a lot of people, when the whole pantry system closed down, right, all over Long Island, all the pantries were in that had to close down. So that became a crisis for and many shelters. nonprofits <clears throat> whose job was not to, to feed people or get them food. They got it from other places. So they really had a problem. So quite a few people called us. And so Gordon said, how did you come up with like, who are you? But in a Loving way, like, who are you? And how did you figure this out? And I said, you know, Gordon, I don't know. It was a whole bunch of moms, and we worked together, and we just figured out very basically what people we, we knew. And we also knew that there would be people who weren't uh, in poverty or poor, but who may be sick and had toddlers and could not get out of the house. Remember when the lines were so long at grocery stores? Like, there were so many reasons why people could not get food. Mm-hmm. And we were very clear that, you it doesn't matter. You can, we will help you because there are a million reasons. So it was really great. We felt like it was the whole community, the whole community taking care of everybody.
0: And um, and it was definitely a power and a force greater than all of you. Even I think it was this force just coming from behind and pushing you all forward. And like, we just need to do
1: this. It, it totally was. But I think, you know, we really, I do not like the, the, um, word food insecurity i mean like i just wouldn't want someone to say like oh you food insecure it just has a negative so i was like you know what we're in the food dignity business like we want to give meal. our whole point was to give a bag full of two the ingredients for two meals and we knew they could also have leftovers with that if if you know that money was really tight and but we wanted them to sit together like like a, every other family who was okay cook dinner together and just for a little bit feel like, okay, we have this right now. Can, you know, can that help just like lift us up? So, you know, so it was, it was just things like that, that their families, these families through no fault of their own where the pandemic was just really, really tough. And it still is. But we wanted to treat them like they were our friends or family. If something happened to the family, we take a basket to people, we take a casserole, we wanted to treat them like they were our friends and our family.
0: And you have. So I have a question. Where are you getting your food? Is it donated And are restaurants helping as well?
1: So God bless uh, Long Island Cares and Island Harvest. We just love them, love Karen. She was from the beginning at Island Harvest. The soup kitchen connected us and um, she was just, you know, kind of teaching me (laughs) as we went. I'm not a foodie. This, This is the most funny thing. I'm not a foodie. I don't like care that much about food. I, you know, I've kind of survived on lentils because it's easy and I can't cook. And you're vegan, and, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's like, so, so, the, so people are like, oh my God, Courtney, really? But it just, it, it's love and it's friendship and, and making sure that the people you love, So the, one of the first days, the orchard, I adore the orchard. I've known people in the orchard forever. It's, you know, it's near St. Rocco's, um, Mm -hmm. near the, uh, Lexus behind the Lexus dealership. And. You know, they were the only people when we brought organic, um, stuff from Wells cafe and apothecary in sea cliff or from orchestra farm at planting fields, they were the only ones who actually knew what the stuff was. You know, it was really like, you know, they are geniuses and they knew a surprise. They know how to cook, you know. So we're gonna we have a surprise about cooking down Where the road. are you
0: cooking? So are you actually cooking food no, now? Or are you still
1: cooking. no, we're no. not okay we're not right now, but we hope we we definitely hope that we you know, we are Nosh is a program with the North Shore Soup Kitchen, and they really saved us because we were buying groceries and sending it out and it was like a cash cash and carry business, but you know, it was meant to be, but they really, they helped get us Long Island cares cause they were a 501 C3. We weren't, they helped. So what they really, when they came in on us when, when Estelle Moore, who has been my mentor, you know, Estelle for so many years and, um, we're just always up to adventures came and, and Maddie Rubenstein just, and Margo, um, like our husband, they're like, and Beth Federico, they're like, um, in the nicest way, you guys need us. <laughs> we're like, um, yes. So NASH became a program in the North Shore Soup Kitchen and they were able to help us turn it from a cash model to a donation model. Okay. And that was not easy. That took months. Everyone thought, oh, you guys, are, but, and so now, now that we have, the food. Yes, we always need food. You have no idea how feeding 600, it's not 600 families, but we send out 600 nosh bags. Some families get double because they have 10 people. Every nosh bag feeds five, two meals for five people. Plus they get extras, a lot of fun stuff. And um, it's not what I was talking about. I always get. So let me ask you, where can people
0: donate their time, their money, food. I mean, tell me, tell us what you need. Tell us how people can help.
1: So you can go into, um, go onto our Facebook and I can give you our email. This is probably the easiest way. So it's info at North shore soup kitchen.org.
0: And what's your Facebook page?
1: It's, um, these is north shore kitchen there we have two so we okay. have nosh for li mm-hmm. that's on instagram and facebook and then we have the north shore soup kitchen.org and you should go there for correspondence and you're in
0: partnership now with the soup kitchen correct yes
1: yes okay. yes we, we merged i mean they have been working their tails off it's just okay. you know and even they i think didn't we just grew so fast right and it is colossal like people walked in one day, one Friday, and there was no food. And they're like, "You guys don't do very much." And I was like, "Okay, if you had seen how much food came in here Monday or Tuesday, mm-hmm. we get all our deliveries, colossal amount comes out, and it all goes out. Mm-hmm. That's you know it how has it, to it go is. out, right?" And um, so it is pretty. Shocking how much it is. I mean, you know, it's a big deal. But so yes, if you email info at North dot org, we have stay at home jobs. So we've just put this whole commu- mm. committee layer in. <laughs> Because it's just about food. Get the food, you know. It's kind of terrifying sometimes to be like, "Oh my god, our families have to have food." We stay awake at night worrying. It's like our children. We worry about our families. Do they have enough? Do they have this? Mm-hmm. Do they have that? Are they happy? You know what I mean? It's like so, and they are. They love us, and we just did a Valentine's drop. Of, and we did. Uh, Lisa Eastman found heart shaped pastas, and we found.
0: I saw t- that they were fabulous. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're all um, with chocolates and homemade heart, paper hearts. And really, they didn't expect Like Christmas, I guess you could expect something, but no expectations for And we love doing that, really. You know, and I think it's special. I just don't know how many people are able to do it. We're kind of crazy. And we work We need growing-
0: more volunteers right now.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, if you email us, you can work. As a root driver, which is the heart of Nosh. They're friends with all their roots, the families, they really mm-hmm. communicate. We try to communicate through the root uh, bag. You can we are open 9 to 1 p.m. every day, except Mondays, 9 to 12. And that's when at the Nosh HQ. You can work on the floor. And we're going to start doing orientation days. So if the floor isn't like the best place for you, there is no fear because okay. I have a job. So there's also for people who can't leave their homes because they're caretakers to the elderly or people who have um, immunity issues, you can work from home. I'm putting together an admin team with these two amazing ladies. We really do calling all retired secretaries, corporate executives. I I can't type and chew gum at the same time. So we really are trying this admin team is going to be the hard enough. Don't tell the root drivers. That we've now moved the heart of Nosh. Everyone's the heart of Nosh. But you know, the truth is we need this admin team. We're gonna start putting a newsletter in every Nosh bag to give all our families um, vaccine updates. We have Paula Cushman is our family ambassador. She's working on vaccine knowledge and what's you know, to really tell people that they're safe because there's so much fear. I you know, I get that, but we're really um everything's in Spanish and English. It's it's really tremendous. So there are so many small jobs you can get, but important jobs you can work from home. You can don't tell your boss. You can work from work. You know things like that. So um, if you just connect with us, we'll connect back with you. And we just we do. And food, yes, always need rice, always need pasta. Meat is okay because we're really getting that from from the agency. So vegetables. If anyone has a genius idea, we had. Overflowed with vegetables. Every Valentine's Farm, Orchestai, uh Roth Camp. So many amazing people gave us stuff. Um, Wells Cafe, but now we don't. So anyone has a farm in Florida, we want to truck stuff up to us? We are looking to figure okay. out a way to fresh. But so any wild ideas? We are totally innovative fresh food dignity we just really want to do the best for people and not throw like a jumble of things that don't go together right you know that just we're done with that you know and um and we are asking our families to volunteer Mm -hmm. when they want we want to do nosh food network on youtube where we love it great and the kids to run that and so the families can have their own cooking show and we can have like iron chef things with kids competing in a nice way do you okay. know what i mean? so but that's like kind of down the pike but when i say down the pike i mean like two months
0: okay great our time is winding down oh. this has been so incredible and i actually probably have two more dozen questions i would absolutely love to ask you but maybe we're going to have you back on so To our listeners, please, if you're listening and you'd like to get involved, please look for NOSH, Long Island. Um, The Senior Center can give you the information. If you're listening outside of the Senior Center, you can go onto their Facebook uh, page or their um, Instagram page. Also, Courtney gave the email earlier. We can also post that as well. And Courtney, I think this need is going to continue for a long time. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all you do for our community and the surrounding communities. And you're just such a beautiful soul. They just feel the love just pour right out of you. So thank you. You are truly a blessing. And thank you for joining us today and sharing so much of who you are and your spirit and um, what makes you tick and, you know, the things that are important to you and how you give back. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Carolyn. And thank you, Dan, for this opportunity. It was such a beautiful invitation. And thank you for thinking of Nosh and St. John's and, you know, mainly our community work for everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney.
0: And to all our listeners, enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to Glen Cove Spotlight on 88.1 FM, wcwp.org. Until next time, I'm Carolyn Eitel.